you hear what I said? I mean, I'm, I'm going to the show. You know what the difference between hitting 250 and 300 is? It's 25 hits. 25 hits and 500 at-bats is 50 points, okay? There's six months in a season. That's about 25 weeks. That means if you get just one extra flare a week, just one, a gork, you get a, a ground ball, you get a, you get a ground ball with eyes, you get a dying quail, just one more dying quail a week, and you're in Yankee Stadium. You still, you, you still don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Get the hell out of here. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Self, don't try to take something that has nothing to do with you and make it all about you. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I meant don't die. Welcome in to the Stone on Air podcast. It's a weekly dose for September 12th, 2018. And it was history in the making over the past weekend. I'll be talking a lot about that amongst some other things. Thank you for finding the show. All right, all right, all right. I got a three-segment show lined up for you today. Never found out if they got the soccer team name yet. I didn't see that. I've been um, either at that festival, Moon River over the weekend, or recovering from it uh, ever since uh, the weekend began. So I haven't paid attention to much. I, I know they hired a coach, it looks like. So no updates there. It is the month of September now, and that's when the contract is up with CFC, so we'll be getting more news on that soon, and as soon as I hear something, I'll go back down those roads. A little bit of a baseball theme today in uh, at least two of the segments anyway, and part of that is because, well, it made sense when I was putting together the show, and the other part is the Atlanta Braves are getting very close to winning their division. It's something they haven't done since 2013, and they've only done that that one time in the last 12 years. And I'm really excited about it. So a little bit, a little bit of a baseball theme, uh, and that was from on the front end there from Bull Durham, one of the greatest movies ever. So the Moon River Festival came to town, and then the internet went all Chattanooga-like. Um, wannabe types, uh, inexperienced types, uh, ignorant types just went off on this incredible event that we just had. And in the a couple of threads from two good friends of mine, John Shoemaker and Sean Phipps, and I'm sure there were some other places too, but those are the two that primarily just jump the rails. I mean, it they go hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of post deeps into these threads. And I wasn't going to dare swim around in those waters for any length of time. And I originally was going to pull a bunch of them, read it, try to figure out what people were trying to say, what their points were. And then I just realized after a while, nah, 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 I'm not going to do that. Um, Because primarily the people complaining the most are the ones that are always complaining. The ones who are are mad that they're not appreciated enough. Um, The people who, a lot of people who are, inexperienced and just ignorant to a lot of things that they don't know anything about and it, it but they're still mad and they want to be very vocal uh there's a couple of them that do it all the time and they were prevalent in this back and forth very little self-control and um so i decided to uh to back off of that idea but just kind of discuss what exactly is going on here and what the moon river festival is uh i thought it was going to be really good hopefully right like I'm not sure, but I like the idea until I got down there on that Friday and I realized it at that moment when I saw the grounds, this was real. This was the real deal. This is the major leagues. This is big time. I'll get back to that here in a minute. When I was young, I played in bands. 
and I was part of the scene, right? I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to, I wanted to be in the scene. And I was a little bit for a few years. And there was a lot of infighting amongst the scene, whether that scene was in Murfreesboro for a couple of years when I was there, or the scene here in Chattanooga. And people would badmouth each other and, and, and you know, try to one-up each other in a, in a kind of a vengeful, spiteful way, wouldn't support each other. Very, very immature, as a matter of fact. And in your line of whatever it is you've done that you've gotten involved in, you probably experience the same thing. It's not unique to a music scene, right? It could be the art scene or the hospitality industry scene, the uh, late night uh, taverns, restaurants, and bars scene. We all got our thing. And for the most part, a lot of the ones that I used to run with, who especially a couple of them that are killing it right now, like Dan Pinson and Strung Like a Horse All the Way Around and uh, just to name t- that, that outfit real quick, they're over all that nonsense. This is a job, and if you do it well, and you get enough people who will pay to watch and care about what you're doing and buy and purchase, you know, kind of like a business, then you're going to make it. And if you're not good enough, which is generally the reason why you don't make it, then tough shit. You're just not good enough. It's okay. It's all right. We're not all good enough to, to, to do everything we want. The biggest lie you were told, especially the younger generations from me, but, but, but mine as well, you can put your mind to it. You can do anything. It's the biggest load of shit you've ever been told. We all have limitations. You can't do anything you want. It doesn't matter how much you put your mind to it. And the, and the sooner that you can recognize and appreciate those limitations, the quicker you're going to be able to utilize what talents and what, uh, what possibilities that you do have. And I think people f- have trouble understanding that, and I, I don't know. They, they don't, it's not, yeah, well, no, it is. It's a ceiling. We've all got a ceiling. And eventually you might hit it. Sometimes you might not even make it up there. But once you realize where that space is that you have to create, you're going to be able to, to utilize it better. And so I realized at about 30 years old, 29, 30 years old, I played when I, on my 29th birthday weekend at Rhythm and Brews opening for the Joneses. And um, it was like I felt I, uh, that moment I said, I've done it. I've, done as, I've gone as far as I can go with this. I'm, op- I'm playing on a stage where some of my favorite musicians of all time have stood I'm opening for one of the best bands in the history of Chattanooga. My mom's here. I made it. I can't go any farther than this. I'm not good enough. I'm just good enough to piddle around in it if I want. And that's fine. If you want to piddle around in it for the rest of your life, I know people that do it and, and do it well. But if you're not invited to the major leagues on a stage that you don't deserve to be on, it's not pity poor you. You're not getting treated poorly. You're just not good enough. And that's a majority of the, of the musicians in the city to play on that stage. All right, so let's talk about the level of what we can consider big time and not so much. And I'm going to try to talk about festivals that are in the southeastern area that you can, you can at least somewhat visualize to give it a better uh, context of, of where, where I'm trying to go with this. And I'm going to use the baseball farm system analogy here to kind of put it in perspective. Uh, the Fly Free Fest, I think it was called. It went for a couple of years, put on by friends of mine down, I think, on Cherokee Farms. And they did it a couple of years. And one year, the final year they did it, they had Railroad Earth. And that was kind of their home run. Like, that, that was about as good as that was going to get. That's the rookie leagues, right? That, you know what the rookie leagues are in Major League Baseball? Or, excuse me, in the, in the farm system of baseball? Those are people loaded with talent with no experience. They're young, they're impressionable, and they're ready to, 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 be give, to be given guidance. All right, so then you've got things like Roots Fest, put on by my friend Ada. She did it for years. I went to it. I played it once. It was, a really, it, it was really done well for the small thing that it was. This was somebody who had experience, who had done it for a few years, started advertising on, online, or, or excuse me, on radio and on TV, and it had its run. And That's like single aid single A ball, where you've got some experience, and now you're starting to show your potential. And then there's festivals like Harvest Fest. Remember that one down at Cherokee Farms that ran in the middle part of the last decade? You know, Bob Weir was there one year, Mo, really chill, really cool festival. A lot of people who have done a lot of festivals are doing this, lots of talent. Bob Weir, can, he's a major leaguer who's, who's, just, who's, who's in the double-A the area because, like, the lookouts, they're double-A. There's players on that team that will be major leaguers uh, probably now in September for a call-up. They're good enough to play there. They're just still needing a little bit more seasoning. 
and not everybody in the league is that big. So not everybody playing at Harvest Fest is major league, but there's still major league talent there. And then there's a festival like the Southern Brewers Festival that just ended its 20-year run. And it's full of full of experienced uh, promoters and, and marketers. And this is a big-time event that's made a name for itself, but it's not quite the big leagues. But it's really doing well for itself, and it's got great talent and people around it. And that's your AAA team. Just not quite good enough to make the major leagues, but we got to fill all this out anyway. And then you have the major leagues which is all the ones we know. Bonnaroo, Forecastle, Jazz Fest, you name it. Glastonbury, you name it. That's the major leagues. And AC Entertainment is in the major leagues. Oh, and then also, don't can't forget this. Then there's the independent leagues. This is where the old washed-up guy who can't make it anymore but still wants to play for a few bucks in a small town goes and plays for the J- Jacksonville Frogs or something. Like, you know, Roger Clemens pitched in the league because his son was in it or something of several years ago. That's Riverbend. That's where all the has-been, wannabe, washed-up nobodies go. And a few people who really don't have anything better to do with their lives look forward to that, and they go hang out, and they have fun, and they watch it. Just, you know, basically dreck that you get a few people to show up for. That's Riverbend. AC Entertainment is the major leagues, the big time. And you don't get to just be involved with that just because you want to. And especially if you don't have the talent or the pedigree or the insider understanding of what's going on here. So people were mad that there wasn't local food. There wasn't local music. There wasn't local art. Well, part of this is, is this is not a Chattanooga thing. This is a known entity that needed a new home, made a deal, business (laughs) transaction, and set it up. It was already fixed. It was already put together. It just needed a place to call home. If it sticks around here, I guarantee you they'll incorporate some local art. They'll they'll probably incorporate a little bit of local music at some point. But this is not a Chattanooga thing. And you can make an argument and say, well, Brian, you're all about, you know, you're a big Chattanooga guy, organic, you organically put together things. You're right. But we're also a tourist industry here. We're also trying to get more things into town to make more money for everybody. And that's what this is. 65% of the tickets sold were for people out of town. That's the whole point. That's what this town has been building itself on for, what, 30 years, right? So I might circle back around to all that a little bit here in a a minute. But let's talk about the festival itself real quick. Just for anybody who wasn't there or hasn't talked to anybody or just wants to hear more. I mean this. I mean this to the bottom of my heart. That two days I spent at that festival was two of the best days at a festival I've ever had. It's not best festival ever. I'm not being best show ever guy, but I'm putting it on the list. If the conversation had to happen right now, let's talk about the best days you've had at a festival, or let's just talk about the best festivals you've experiences you've had. That one's in the conversation. It's probably somewhere in a top 10 somewhere. And that used to be all I ever did was go to, go to festivals. And I still go to a you know handful of a couple, two, three a year. From, from a user experience, and that's the biggest thing, user experience. If you can get anything, you're trying to sell anything, you're trying to promote anything, you're trying to push a product, you're trying to push a service, whatever it is that you're doing in life, if the user experience is top-notch, you're doing something right. Because people want to, you know, they want to enjoy themselves, they want to have excellent experiences, And they don't go into it thinking, oh, I can't wait to see how this user experience is. It's so organic and it can't be fabricated. It just happens. It's, you know, endorphins release. Like you're, you're excited. You're having a great time. It doesn't matter what this costs. It doesn't matter what else you've given up. It's, It's a, it's a mind frame that changes and it spreads like wildfire and people want to hear about it and they, it's infectious and That's what has happened here. I've got people I work with who wouldn't know a music festival from a carnival and went down and walked away. And he was like, my my wife wants to get like a hotel room and take the week off next year. Like, this is amazing. Like, it was so perfect. And it really was. It felt flawless. It wasn't flawless, but it felt flawless. The, 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 The porta potties, so many of them, so clean and put in the right spots. The, the vending, perfect. Borderline, absolutely perfect. You know who did the vending, who was in charge of that? The people in Coffee County that do Bonnaroo's vending every year. You know whose vending is borderline flawless? The Bonnaroo vending. 
They brought them in because it's AC Entertainment, because it's the major leagues. This is the big leagues. You don't get to just piddle around selling some grilled cheese. This is well-oiled machines moving people along. Keep the herd going. And I don't mean, you know, follow the herd in a bad way. I mean, just keep everybody moving. Don't have anybody waiting. Don't make anybody upset. Try your best to keep everybody, everybody happy. And what works that way to get people happy? No lines. Easy maneuvering. Good sight lines. Easy to understand uh, logistically. It was great. It was absolutely great. And you know the biggest reason why it was absolutely great? Because Chattanooga didn't have anything to do with it. That's the biggest reason that it was great. And the more you let Chattanooga get involved with it, the worse it would have likely gotten. In a lot of ways, we are fundamentally flawed in the way we do things in this city because we've, it, we're, we're, we're caught in that middle. We're not a small town. We're not a big city. We're right in the middle. And you just you become a used to things, and when something is out of your comfort zone or our, you know, all of us do it, out of our comfort zone, we just immediately get mad. And now that because no one has any self-control on social media, oh, this is pissing me off. Damn it, I'm pissed off. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with, crazy people on the Internet. But I like this town. I love Chattanooga. I think anybody listening to this long enough knows that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a champion for this town, but it's a little secret. It ain't the best town ever. I don't care what everybody around here tries to tell you or what publication makes up a bunch of stuff on a voting process or whatever that we're the best town ever. We're not. We're not. What we are, though, is a, is a destination now because of the gig, because of the 2009 uh, reinvestment, America Reinvestment Act that funded the EPB entire gig concept. That's, that's absolutely true. Most of the money that put that together came from the Reinvestment Act of 2009, I mean, I know subsidizing is something, you know, most people around here aren't aren't into, except unless it gives you crazy fast internet and then you're cool with it. But that's another point for another day. But this is a this is an okay town, but it's fundamentally flawed in a lot of ways. And having this organization come in here and make this deal with the city and bring this incredible festival in was great. And anybody trying to tell you otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. They're inexperienced, they are immature at times. And some of them are just pissed off no matter what if they're not involved. And another thing with this city is, too, we do have a hard time sometimes figuring out what talent is and isn't. And we do often celebrate mediocrity. And that really irritates me. So I can get on board with some of these some of these stances that, that people have had over the years, but this isn't one of them. And there's only one band that has any business being booked for that a festival like the one we just had, a lineup like that one, there's only one band that even is in the conversation of being booked at, the, at a festival like that, and that's Strung Like a Horse. And really, the main reason that they would even be considered is just because they finally got a, lay, a you know, actual a label, which is a big deal in the major leagues. People in the major leagues, in the big time, in the show... They're not independent, knocking around, uh, hoping to get heard types. They've got managers. They've got record deals. They're in the system. They're playing ball. Strung Like a Horse is not a major league act, but they're close, and they're the only ones that have any business being involved with a festival like that. Nick Lutzko, I think, is a major league talent, but from what he does doesn't fit with what that festival's doing. But so really, so I'll throw Nick in there. Those are the only two, and Dan Pinson, but Dan's part of Strong. Those are the only ones that just jump off the page as the as that kind of caliber. That doesn't mean we don't have great bands and music all over the city. See, some people are just going to hear this. They're not going to listen. I'm begging you, if you're just here for the first time, you've never heard this rant from me before, don't hear things. Hey, I heard that. Listen. Listen to my words. There are some really, really fun bands in this city. I was uh, over easy at... Uh, JJ's other night. They're a damn good up and coming band in in this city. I'll get to more of the JJ's thing the other night here in a minute. I never even laid out the show. I just jumped right into it. I kind of throw this together just out of nowhere today. But it's so I'm not saying that we don't have any talent in this city. We do, but you're in Double A or you're in Rookie Ball or you're in Single A. Now the big leagues are up there, four four and a half to five levels to get there. Your Roots Fest, your Fly Free Fly, fly Free Fest. Maybe even some are on the level of the Southern Brewers Festival. 
we only have a couple of almost major league talent, and they're not even there yet either. Nick's not there yet either. But they're on their way, and they're the only ones that have any business being involved in that. And when it comes to the art community and the food community and all that, I don't, you know, that's that's a, a, a different area of expertise that I don't have. But I do know the vending and the food was put together because the big leagues do it like this, and that's what we are. And that's what they did. And as a result of it, it was one of, it was a historic night, two nights in Chattanooga. You were there, you already know this. You're like, yep, yep. Don't have to tell me. I already know. Speaking of strong, this is Strong Like a Horse going out here in the first segment. If I haven't run you off and you're still here, thank you. I appreciate it. Coming up next, first of all, at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about 9-11. Because, well, why not? It's 9-12 today. It was 9-11, obviously, yesterday. And we've done this 17 times now. But this one was on a Tuesday. And the 9-11 in 2001 was on a Tuesday. Made me think about it a little differently. But coming up next, I'm going to tell you what my 20-year high school reunion this past Saturday has in common with the Moon River Festival from an organizational standpoint. What could I possibly be talking about? Stick around, I'll tell you next. This is my buddy Ryan Oyer, the Ryan Oyer Band, from right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Love his music and love the guys in the band. I love a ton of local music around here. Hell, this whole idea was started on the premise of a local music show, which I'll get back to one of these days. More on that coming later in the year. At Stone on Air on all social media is how you can follow along. So this is a quote from Ashley Caps. That's the AC and AC Entertainment. Selling out any festival is not easy, especially the first day you go on sale. Granted, it's a smaller scale, but we like that ten thousand. We like the ten thousand number because it lets you focus on doing a lot of things, other things, really well. Attendees and social media con commenters, sorry, noted how easy the layout of the site was to navigate, the beauty of the location, and even the lack of expected traffic congestion on the both sides of the river. This is from Barry Corder's speech from the Times Free Press. Some did comment online about the lack of local food vendors and local musicians on the bill. Jonathan Sussman, activation and engagement specialist with the city, quote, I think Everybody feels extremely happy that AC chose Chattanooga, and we could not be more impressed with how they animated the space. The layout was great, and we might take some of their ideas, such as lighting the trees, which they did at Bonner this year, and it was incredible, uh, next year. The park has been used for events before, of course, but not like that. Public Works did, obviously, an incredible job, but everybody behind the scenes at Parks and Maintenance and Engineering put a lot of hours. Sorry, I fumbled all through that. Later on, the Moon River Festival put out a a thing to survey questionnaire. How can we make it better? You almost can't. There's your answer. You almost can't. And I beg of the organizers and just general people involved, don't listen to crazies on the internet. Don't listen to the inexperienced. Don't listen to the immature. Don't listen to the ones that are always bitter and always bitching about things that don't include them. You didn't do a flawless job because it's almost impossible impossible to be flawless, but it felt like it was flawless, and that is a major home run win for me. So let's see. So this weekend, I had uh, my 20-year high school reunion, and I was part of the planning committee, not a huge part, but a pretty... A pretty uh, important part once it was all said and done 
to pulling off a, a great event. And we kind of put it together a little later than most probably do. And we had some infighting about who was going to be in charge of what. It wasn't too bad. And we eventually um, got to a pretty good place in the middle of the summer where we had everybody's, you know, everything was delegated out to what you did. It's like, as long as you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do that, we're going to be all right. And it's not a heck of a lot different than organizing any kind of event. The more people you have on board who have experience in this, who understand it, and know their role, and accept it, and get out of everybody else's way of their role the better chance you're going to have an event, a, a, a successful event. And to actually Cap's point, which is a piece of paper I just crumpled up and threw over there in the recycle bin, so I'll paraphrase, where he said, since we had all the tickets sold, we could focus on all the other things to make it great. When you're sitting around having to worry about whether you're going to take a bath financially, you, you lose, here's back to my baseball reference, you take your eye off the ball. And what happens when you take your eye off the ball for even a split second? You're out. You're done. You messed up. You, you, you failed. When you have the comfort of the financial portion of it taken care of, you can focus on the next pitch. You can focus on the next important thing to pull off a great event. And the way our ticket sales for our reunion went is, I think, the microcosm of what a part of the problem of what is Chattanooga. And why events that we try to pull off generally don't work. Because everybody waits to the last GD minute. Every time. And major promoters ain't cool with that. The big leagues don't mess around with people who aren't going to get you know take care of this in, in advance and secure the, fun, the financial aspect of it. That's not big league event planning. That's ragtag stuff. That's minor leagues. That's rookie ball. And so we got a financial backer amongst our group who said, I'm, I'll take a bath if we have to, but let's get this amount of money so we can throw this kind of party. Because all of us agreed, we're not in the business of going to bad parties, and we're not in the business of throwing bad parties. So we got our fun, funding set, and then we could all focus on the important parts. But listen to this. Check this out. So a week ago, so the, that was September the 8th, September the 1st, we had 40 ticket sales out of a class of 350 or whatever it was from 1998 Udawa High School. 40 tickets sold. That's not 40 classmates. That's 40 tickets. So that could be sold them individual on Eventbrite. That's pathetic. And I'm beginning to worry we are totally taking a bath on this, but we have the funding set so we're good. We don't have to worry about that. I can just worry about what I have to do. Between September 1st and September 8th, because we actually, we actually marketed this very well through Facebook, we sold uh, we got up to 110 tickets. Not only not taking a bath, getting it completely taken care of, and we might have even come out above plus money. In six days, we, what's that math? 70-some-odd tickets? In three months, 40. That doesn't work, and that's what Chattanooga does. So... You know why the Moon River Festival organizers, AC Entertainment, and I think Live Nation's got a little hand in it, the biggest promoter in the world? You know why they didn't ask about Chattanooga food trucks? You know why they didn't look into the local music scene? Because they didn't care about it. Because they had their major leaguers around them already putting together what was an established event. We just need a plot of land to put it on. And so, no, it doesn't have that, oh, Ch- Chattanooga tie. This It's not CFC, right? That thing that just kind of came out of nothing. We all embraced. And everybody's mad about the new Chattanooga pro soccer team because of the same kind of thing, I guess, we're talking about with Full Moon here. And so, no, it's not. But that's a damn good thing because if Chattanooga tried to do it, don't get me wrong, we have some great events in this city, but they're, they're, double, they're single A level. They're rookie ball level. It's okay. That's fine. We don't, we, we're not all major leaguers. We can't all be in that position. But we also just need to realize, you know, know your limitations. Realize what you do well and focus on that. So to wrap up this segment, it will be a shorter one. I will just kind of, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lay out, not play-by-play, but, you know, just the course of the day, uh, Saturday and Sunday. I went down to the festival at noon. And it was a little bit of a backup to get in. I thought, oh, no, here we go. But it was a nice day, hot, obviously, but nice. And people were just excited. And it got a little backed up, but they moved it 
they moved it through well. The security did a good job of letting everybody know where they need to go. It did take a few minutes, and I thought, oh, no. But as soon as I walked in, and I'd already seen the ground, so I knew what I was going to be looking at, but I didn't see it with anybody there, you know, thousands of people there. And I, I just immediately was, wow, look at this place. And uh, hung out with a, a pretty girl for the day, and we watched some music, and we had some drinks, and we sat around in the grass, and it was fun. Well, then at 5 o'clock, I had to cut out, and I was parked two miles away. That's another thing I missed out on my earlier rant uh, talking about the festival. No, said no one ever in Atlanta when the Shaky Knees Festival is announced, oh, where's everybody going to park? Said absolutely no one ever. Lollapalooza, Grant Park in, in Chicago. Hey, Lollapalooza, well, where's everybody going to park? Nobody says that. Well, where are you going to park? Wherever you can find a place to put your damn car, dude. I don't know. Can't do everything for you. Anyway, two miles away, I walked to Miller Park. I had to go uh, to, to meet the people who were opening up the, you know, the event planner or whatever the hell they are. Security people, shit, I don't know. And uh, talked to them for a minute. Went and got my car, got the taps. My, my last thing I had to do was make sure the beer was flowing. And so I got the taps there. They said they would take care of it. I ran home, took a shower, uh, Ubered back down because I knew, I didn't know everything was about to go down, but I, I knew we were going to be doing some serious drinking. And got back down there around 7.15 and got in there. And it was, man, first of all, Waterhouse Pavilion is a great place. Great place to throw, uh, to throw a party. And we had way over 100 people there. And it was just a room full of people who were just incredibly happy to be around each other. It was a home run. It was a big league on a minor league setting um, kind of event. And it was great. And so, but we had so much food, so much food, all, all this left over at 11 o'clock when we we're leaving. So for some reason, I go to JJ's all the time, but most of the people I'm with don't. I'm hanging out with people I used to hang out with in high school that I haven't I've seen or talked to occasionally, but not often in the last you know ten years. And we go to JJ's, and uh, Over Easy is playing, and um, we're hanging out in the back, just drinking and whatever else, you know, all that. And then somebody had the great idea to go out to the car and let's just get all the food and take it into JJ's. <laughs> and I, I guess I hope somebody asked permission. I, I, I clearly everybody was all right with it. And we then took it in and just started. It was sandwiches from Yellow Deli, food from Food Works. I mean, this is this isn't uh, the small time stuff here. This is good eating late night drinking at a bar, and um, just didn't drink all night and then passed out and woke up the next day. And I'll come back to that in a second. Letitia Wool from the Dead Deads came and her uh, um, her boyfriend Matt Mahaffey of Self, who's a, basically a nationally renowned rock and roll producer. These two are quite literally rock stars. And she had posted something about it on Instagram the next morning. And a guy, I don't know who it is, said, um, a whole group of really drunk people from this class came to JJ's and had a party. (laughs) I said, you're damn right we did. It was a big time night. So the next day I came down at noon, a little groggy. Grabbed a, uh, a, a mimosa on the street there from the Stone Cup. Hung out with them for a little bit. That was a big time. Uh, they had their big after party on Saturday, and they're all throughout the weekend party. And then I hung out the whole day for the next 12 hours till they shut the thing down. And uh, there were no problems on the bridge. There were a lot of arguing back in the spring whether people were going to be allowed to stand on the bridge, which was such a stupid argument to have. Of course, you can stand on the bridge. Uh, if you don't want to have a bridge getting in the way of your festival, then don't put a festival where there's a big-ass bridge and uh, a, you know, a public park, quite literally, on the National Register of Historic Places. And if you've sold all your tickets, why the hell do you care if anybody stands on the bridge? Well, logically, like most people do think, they, nobody did. And it was pretty impressive. Like, it was pic- picturesque. I bet there was some incredible pictures that you'll start to see you know, down at the Chattanooga Market with the photography types. So that's going to be really cool. And uh, Ubered my way back home that night and woke up Monday and felt absolutely terrible. <laughs> terrible. And if you heard me on the air, I, I, I came in for a couple hours over to Alt 98.7 and I just had to leave at, at right before 6 and I just barely talked. It was terrible. And then uh, Tuesday felt great. Wednesday is today. And there you go. 
Speaking of the soccer, I mentioned this earlier. I was going to read it on the way out here. Again, this is my buddy, local musician, Ryan Oyer, the Ryan Oyer Band. So far, so good is the name of it. The Chattanooga Bystander does it again. I don't know who does this account, but they're they're good. Um, speaking of the soccer situation, and this is Blackburn Bredesen agree to debate about soccer team names. After plans had fizzled out regarding a possible October 1st debate in Chattanooga, U.S. Senate race candidates Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen finally agreed to an impromptu Chattanooga debate yesterday as long as the topic was limited to selecting a name for the new Chattanooga Pro Soccer Team. Quote, Dear God, can we all agree that all these names are pretty horrible, said Blackburn. I mean, Express, Generals, Iron Horses, Red Wolves, Sporting Chattanooga? Are you fucking kidding me? Quote, this is the one and only topic in which we are in total agreement, said Bredesen. This shit is weak. Why should the public vote on this? This is democracy at its worst, said Blackburn. With Bredesen nodding his head. It's like a kick in the balls. Pun intended, said Bredesen. Online voting on the Chattanooga Pro Soccer website today. Chattanooga Bystander does it again. Talk about um, September 11th, 2001 and September 11th, 2018. Coming up next. So far, so, so far, so Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. For tonight's ceremonial first pitch. And please welcome the President of the United States. Neil Young's Let's Roll. Um, Tuesday this week the 11th and I was finally feeling better after that long weekend and I went to the station to do this show and I was trying to because that all 98.7 you know just a music station 90s early 2000s and uh, newer to this contemporary kind of alt stuff you got to be careful what you do and don't talk about. I have a very short period of time to get any kind of point across. And going political is never good. Going political in any setting has obviously gotten pretty toxic. So I always, be, I always try to choose my thoughts and my little quick little 60 to 90 second breaks very carefully. 
And as I was trying to figure out what I was going to say and how I was going to acknowledge the day, I got to thinking, I am almost positive that when this happened in 2001, I'm pretty sure that was a Tuesday. And uh, it was a Tuesday. And there's only a handful of things in life where it's that remember exactly the moment where you were. And uh, for me, that's the ultimate one. I guess there's some others. Uh, Speaking of political, I don't think I'll ever forget about the day Donald Trump was elected that night. But speaking of politics, I'll stay away from that. But I was looking at some stuff online today, what people are posting. Um, I don't get too into all, all that. I mean, I've, I've talked about how I, and I, I mean it, I don't just say I don't use Facebook or, or a lot and then actually do like many people do. I use Facebook to talk about the Braves, a couple local things every now and again and promote the show. That's basically about it. But I was looking around to see what some other people were putting. And 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 Joe from over at Talk, or GOW, Sport Talk, Put something about, you know, the horror of people seeing people jump from the from the World Trade Center. Like, that's the alternative. Like, the horror of the choice to jump out of one of the largest, tallest buildings in the world was the best option I had right here. And I think most people can identify with that because for all the obvious reasons. I mean, it's terrifying. It's horrifying. But that doesn't get me as much as this other thought I had today. And, and I'm, I'm, I am terrified of heights. Terrified of heights. Um, it's almost a phobia. Like, I can't even look out a window of a building I'm up high. It freaks me out. I don't, it's gotten worse with my old age. I don't know. Older age, I should say. But that song, Let's Roll, from Neil Young, he wrote it, I think, just right after all this went down. Neil's been the best about just something happens in the world and he makes a song the next day, like Ohio after the shooting at Kent state, he wrote that in like two days and then put it out. I think it was similar with this time. I, maybe it wasn't immediately, but the, the, the story is one of the guys on the plane that crashed in wherever it crashed in the rural field, uh, Pennsylvania, maybe, or I don't remember that he had made up his mind. He had talked to his wife and or or whatever the story is and his last words were all right let's roll and after he powwowed with some people on the plane after they knew all the fates of all the other planes to we're going to strong arm this thing down and it's not going to crash any more buildings and we're going to slam this thing down in the middle of a field in whatever rural area they were in and to me that is one of the more horrifying things i can possibly think about these days because I haven't put a lot I mean I put thought into it over the years here and there because we'd all say what 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 I do that's what everybody does it drives me nuts oh here's what I would have done I'd have done that you don't know what the hell you would have done shut up but I I have a pretty good feeling I know what I would have done or what I would have what I would have thought at least and I don't know I don't know how emphatic I would have been but to to decide that you're going to take this plane down to save others, eliminate everyone in it, consciously do that, takes a selfless act that I don't have in me. I don't have it in me. I know me better than anybody. And I am not selfish like won't share. I am just concerned about me. I am concerned about what's next for me. I'm not concerned about a building full of people in a city I've never been to. And I'm pretty sure, especially since the lack of technology in 2001. I mean, a cell phone, obviously, was pretty plenty good way to communicate. But if you're telling me the end result is that we're all likely going to die, well, then let's ride this thing out as long as possible because you never really know. I'm pretty damn sure that's where I would be. And I feel like I might end up being vocal about it. Like, no, no, no. I'm not signing off on this, guys. I'm not writing my script out. I'm not killing myself. I'll let these people kill me before I'll kill myself. And if a few more people go over there, I'm not worried about it. I could never have that kind of selflessness. 
Now, there's some people that might say this is all revisionist history and it maybe didn't even go down like that. I, From my uh, just overall scanning this for going on almost two decades, I believe that it's true. Because I do believe that there are some people out there that think about other people and act that way. Act appropriately. Or accordingly, I guess I should say. But that's not me. That's not me. I'd have been over there. I'd have been trying to fight the guy trying to do it. That's how big of a coward I would have been. I'm thinking. I'm guessing. I don't know. Maybe they were up there long enough to have an epiphany and, you know, find God or something. I don't know. But I would not be on board, I wouldn't think, with, okay, well, yeah, let's just end it here. (laughs) Maybe we're the one that gets saved. You know, and I have a feeling most people on that plane would have felt the same way as me and potentially every one of you listening to this. I think it's okay to be selfish as long as you don't have people who are dependent on you. Nobody in that plane in a, or, excuse me, in a building that in a town I've probably never been to is dependent on me. I can, I'm, it's okay for me to care about myself over them. But if, if, if that's the way it went down, which again, I do believe did, that is some selflessness that I will never understand. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it just because I'm not ashamed of myself. Uh, well, no, sometimes I'm very ashamed of myself, but you get my point. As I go on the way out here and wrap it up over the next uh, however long this takes, I'll just go ahead and uh, tell you I've been reading online uh, the threads of where everybody was on that day. And because it was a Tuesday and that popped into my head today. It brought back a lot of a lot of memories. Um, I was working uh, just started within the that year at the uh, at the Miller Coors distributor I work at still now. It's now called Cherokee Distributing. It's working in the warehouse, uh, loading trucks in the afternoon and going to Chattanooga State in the morning. And I went to class that Tuesday. I don't remember if I was at the radio that day. W A W L. I can't remember that. And I was in the cafeteria and I just gotten something to eat and if I were to guess it was a grilled cheese and crinkle fries basically ate that every single day for years there well year and a half however long it was and they had this big boxed you know big screen tv the big huge boxy thing over in the corner and that's everybody's hovering around and we're watching it and um a little freaked out I mean I was 20 September yeah, yeah I was 21 And I went to class. I think it was a remedial math class, if I remember right. I don't, that that might be wrong, but we didn't have TVs in every room then. And we didn't, uh, I don't really remember how the class went, but it it feels like we we still did regular classwork that day. That part does kind of blank out on me. But I do remember getting to work and I don't know if I listened to the radio on the way over or not. It's not that far away from the two two places. And hearing like rumor style that one of the one of the the towers had fallen. And then I went to loading trucks for the next seven or eight hours. I don't remember if I had a f- cell phone at that point. I think I probably did, but not everybody had a cell phone. And so I'm working, working, working. I mean, we might have had internet, but it would have only been in like two or three people's offices. It's not like I would have had access to it. The the kid in the, the warehouse slinging cases of beer on a forklift. And part of the fascination with this story is just how different life was. It was a different world, quite literally. There was not this connectivity. And I went home. I was living out in East Brainerd at my mom's house at that point. And that's when I, they were like, yeah, they're both they both fell. Like it and that's when the realization hit in of what had actually happened here. And because you're not used to getting information every split second, you don't crave information every split second. And as a young dude at 21 years old, just living your life carelessly, it's just it's just amazing to just think back at what that time frame was. And looking at it over all the years, I am fascinated by that whole situation. I think it. Um, I th- think it crippled this world to today. I th- I think Osama bin Laden pulled off one of the most amazing, amazingly fascinating, scientifically down to the very last detail, most perfectly pulled off, masterminded plot in the history of the world. The guy was an absolute 
genius. Now, a despicable, disgusting, awful, horrible piece of everything, blah, 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 yes, but an absolute genius. They spent decades fine-tuning this amazingly, disgustingly awful act and pulled it off almost flawlessly and crippled a country and a way of life and a society and a culture that he hated. And I actually have a feeling that it, in the end, he feels like, he felt like it worked better than he had even imagined. Take out the buildings of the trade of the world. Spiral them into to, to economic chaos over the course of two decades. Tear them apart right down the middle turn it into a civil war amongst themselves, drop the bomb, so to speak, and let them kill themselves over it. Because that effectively is what Osama bin Laden did. 17 years later, this country hates each other with no truce in sight. And it's just an absolutely fascinating timeline to watch and read and study and it goes back to as old as I am. It goes back to both older than I am. Late 70s. Just follow that timeline. Give it some time. I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not even beginning to try to act like I'm some kind of expert. But I've kept my eye on it enough because it, it I mean, it. the perfect word is, it is fascinating. I'm not saying it's right. I'm sure as hell telling you that it's wrong. But that doesn't take the fascination away at all. September 11th, 2001, was 17 years ago on a Tuesday, as of press time, if you will, as of this recording. Appreciate you finding the show. I'm going to put the wraps on it right there. At Stone On Air, on all social media. What's going on here over the next couple weeks? Not much. I'm going to be taking it pretty easy. Going to hit the Titans this weekend, even though I don't really want to after they look like such crap on that first weekend. And... Just kind of limp on out down 2018. It'll be 2019 before you know it. I am so excited about the possibility of the Braves winning the National League East. I'm just going to kind of focus on sitting back, taking it easy, and being chill, bro. Y'all take care. Enjoy yourself. I love you. Bye. Let's roll.